Hi, this is Pete and Tim, and it's record time. Now, when was the last time you listened to a full record from beginning to end? Instead of jumping around in the algorithmic jumble of modern music delivery, just gave yourself over to the careful work of a single artist. That's what we're all about on Record Time. We put together a 10-album listening experience each season, crossing eras and genres, all for the love of the album. In this, our second season, we're focusing exclusively on live albums. So get up, stand up, and lively up yourself for Bob Marley and the Wailers and their vibrant and uplifting album, Live. I think this might be our first episode with a special guest of Rain. Oh, yes. It's it's fallen off a bit since we first started setting up, but uh, if, you, uh, if these mics are worth their weight, they'll pick up a couple of droplets here and there. Here, I'll point it out the window. Hold on. Yeah, not <laughs> not right now. But what an interesting landscape here on the porch. Uh, mid-fall, rainy night. Talk about Bob Marley. <laughs> and the Whalers. Not a little out of place, I suppose. Take but me there. Take very me there. aspirational. Yes, absolutely. Um, we by the way, that. I should mention before we go too far, speaking of rain and, and liquid, for those who enjoy <laughs> a liquid accompaniment with their active listening, you might have guessed we are enjoying some Red Stripe beers. Uh, straight from Jamaica, and yep. uh, you can too. And um, I should also mention, uh, before the end of the episode, the various ways to get in touch with us. We've uh, released a few episodes already at this point. Um, PYNC hit uh, today. Yes, it did. Uh, sorry, PNYC. PNYC. Um, hit today, and uh, so we'd love to hear what you think of that episode or any of the others that we have left out there for you. Uh, you can get us on Twitter at Record Time Pod. You can get us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Record Time Podcast. You can give us a call at 937-PETE-TIM, or you can send us a good old-fashioned email at recordtimepodcast at gmail.com. We would love, love to hear from you. Uh, Pete, how are you? I'm good. Here we are, halfway through season two. Halfway through season two. The album side of the, the live album that is Record Time Season 2. Yeah. Rounding, going to flip the disc after this one. So it's good to leave side one with a good feeling. And I think this is a very distinct record uh, so far in our season. Um, there are a lot of different sort of production and artistic choices that set this live album apart from... Most everything we've talked about, and possibly everything we're going to talk about. Maybe not everything, but... Tell me how. Well, um, you know, primarily the lack of um, stage banter of any kind... Oh, yeah. ...at all. Right. Um, and while the audience is present um, on this record, they do not, at least in any kind of discernible way, there's a couple of times where I can tell that someone is shouting very clearly, but I don't know exactly what they're saying. Yeah, I can't understand it either. I can't really get anything from this crowd. Um, but it really is a very half-hearted uh, introduction <laughs> by some poor stagehand who <laughs> was dragged up there, drew the short straw 
<laughs> or lost a bet or something. <laughs> but it's a banging show. It's a well, he says show. go, and they start, yeah. and they play a song, and people clap, and then they play another song, and people clap, and they play another song, and people clap. It felt to me uh, like, <laughs> it felt to me like when I took a tour of Versailles. Okay. The palace, you've heard of it? Uh, I have. Have you been? No. Okay. Big place. I gather. Way too much space for oh. me. Okay. Um. But the tour was like, we all go into this amazing room and it just looks unbelievable and, it, and there's art everywhere and everything is absolutely fantastic and it's very red in this room. And then we talk about it for a little bit and then we move into the next room and it looks very different, um, but it's still ornate and it's maybe blue instead of red, but it's still very ornate and this one has a fireplace, the other one didn't. And we sit in there, and we just look, and it's just fantastic, and we sit there, and then we move to the next room. <laughs> and this album just felt like all these fantastic rooms that I could have, any of these, I've said this before about some tracks, I feel like any of these I could just listen to for 40 minutes. Yeah, just live in. Right. Move in. Um, I'm not devastated when they end. They don't end too soon. They don't end too late. They just sort of start, and they're awesome, and then they stop. And they're done. This has to be the shortest album of our season. I would think. And it makes me wonder if it's not the whole show or if they if there's some reason that it's cut down. It's there's it's not long at all. It's like just over 30 minutes, right? 37 minutes with the, depending on which version you're looking at. So I was listening to the version that included Kinky Reggae at, oh, the, yeah. at the end. Yeah, me too. Yeah, which um, also was another distinguishing factor in this album, different than anything we've listened to before, uh-huh. I don't think anything that we've heard has taken the time to introduce the band. Nope. Yeah. Which is a classic yes. live show moment Yes, that I have fallen in love with back when, um, I think it was the Blues Brothers. <laughs> Did they peel off one by one, sort of like say their name, like, and then they would walk off? Where did I, don't I remember, get that? I don't remember seeing them do that, but I've certainly seen that. I got that idea from someone, and my high school band used to close our shows that way. Nice. And leave my buddy Dave to do a drum solo at the very end, and then we would all come back out and finish the final song. Wow. That's cool. And maybe I'm tying that to the Blues Brothers because we did Give Me Some Lovin', but um, maybe I... I'm sure I saw that somewhere. I can't... I, that's not an original thing, but it was super fun. Um, and so it was really nice to hear that. Yes. Uh, not to skip straight to the end, but it was no. really cool to hear uh, that kind of a thing. And I was like, oh, yeah, we haven't heard any of that in any of these albums. It's true. And it just makes you think how much of these are like curated, how much of the live show you're really getting when you get right. a live album. It's all cut down to some degree. Which we've discussed, yeah. but uh, but that is a real indicator that we're missing out on a lot of stuff. Yeah, seven songs, a short LP. Whew. Who knows? Maybe it's just the way it was pressed or something. That's that's how long it is. And I don't know. It was at a theater, um, the Lyceum Theater in London. Um, and it's a great crowd. It's, yeah. You know, it's funny that it's a theater. To me, this feels like a sweaty 
club gig. Like I would want to be in oh. the middle of this. It doesn't feel like a sit down theater type. Oh, interesting. So for me, another of the distinguishing characteristics is that uh, um, tonally, I guess, this album feels to me like it captures the sound of live music better than most of the other uh some some of the stuff like like with um uh, the Irish band the the frames uh almost sounds too good it's too intimate a relationship we're hearing everything about that instrument but the edges are frayed on all of the sort of feeds on these instruments in this record i feel like oh on the marley record on the marley record and it sounds more live it sounds like what it sounds like to me to be at you know uh, Great Woods, yeah, and listening to okay. an outdoor show oh. where where the sound is just kind of passing by you on its way out of the outdoor venue. It sounded like an outdoor show to me. Oh, interesting! I was very surprised to hear it was in a theater. Huh? Yeah, I guess when you think about like the Jimi Hendrix record had a similar yes. sort of feeling. Like yes, the edge, this the gets back to that. Was uh, crispness was off of it a little bit, right? And it gets a little bit more of like what you would. The, the crackling of the speakers and the crackling in your ears after having been exposed to the noise for a while and yeah. that sort of thing, and not a pristine document. Yeah, this is like, not a soundboard yeah. recording. Like this PNYC, a... where it's just like every frequency is like perfect. Yeah. Uh, so they used the Rolling Stone recording studio, some traveling Rolling Stone recording studio that, yeah. I, that I forgot to read about. It sounded very interesting to me um, to, to pick this up. So they weren't mm. pulling off the board, which would have given you that more, more pure sound of what everything... Um, was rather than what it sounded like amplified, and it was to tape and all of that stuff. Right, so. exactly. Yeah, I, I I like the sound of it. I oh think man, I love it's it. It's very raw. Yes, um, and that's awesome. The Bob Marley, especially some of his later records, uh, Kaya Exodus, his arrangements are like so tightly constructed and so perfect and crisp and beautiful. Mm. I mean, uh, you know, it's Bunny uh, Whaler that did a ton of it, um, but man, is it. Like precision, perfect. Yeah, and then to hear a live band play this stuff gets to the heart of like what reggae sounds like, but put through the performance of a live group as opposed to like carefully edited studio precision. Like it. it yeah, there's a lot of soul. There's a lot of emotion to this. There is. Yeah, rather than studio perfection. Yeah, and but it I doesn't suffer for not being perfect no, at I all. Think, no. no, not at all. Yeah. God, it, it benefits. Right. Uh, and it's great to hear this kind of music done like so open and loose because uh, it feels great. It's a, got a, that awesome, great reggae, reggae swing to it, man. Uh, if anything ends too early, it's the album, not the songs, right? You, you're done with it, and you're like, huh. And just yeah. roll it again. Like, I give mean, me one or two more. Right. You could. You, I mean, I feel like these songs are so... Um, pleasant just pleasant to hear that i could play this album if i wanted to extend it i could just like play each track twice no complaints whatsoever and you're just you're moving your booty or yeah. whoever's in the kitchen while you're playing it is moving their booty yep. that was definitely the case everyone was shaking it <laughs> in the house the last couple weeks for sure i was standing there at the light just swaying up and down <laughs> you can't help it wait what light Oh, uh, you know, like just when I'm running to work or whatever, probably. Oh yeah, when yeah. you're uh, right, waiting at the lights across the street. Yes, I should say. fantastic. So it it does just sort of take you over. 
it makes me want to roll the windows down if I have it in the on in the car. It make, <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. it, no matter the temperature, you just want to boost it. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I'm so glad we're outside once again, even if it is cold and rainy. Yep, it just feels great. The band is amazing in top smoking form. Another thing I really was taken by um, is uh, I sh- shouldn't be maybe, but uh, Bob Marley's voice itself has this and I guess I thought about it more because we were doing the show than I ever have it's it's always there in his voice studio or live but there's such an impossible merging of struggle and triumph in his vocals wow. I think I think it what it's what one of the things that makes him so special there's a strain of of struggle in there but there's also just this sort of um I don't know, pure sort of tone that he arrives at that that gives you that sort of triumphant feeling. He does balance the two. Um, really better than, or in a way that I've never heard anybody else do. Um, I was just really impressed with that. Just really made me um, a little more admirous of, of his stature. And to hear how how beautifully he does it live. Mm. And if you watch any YouTube with him, he is like running in place. Yeah. Like he is full of energy and he is out there giving it. He could easily have been like uh, the hype man for the boss tones. Yes, he could have. Right, if he just Absolutely. didn't have a mic, he would that he would be fine at that. And of course, you sing while you're running, it's like... Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> but not with him, he's literally running in place. Right. Singing at this, um, this incredible voice and doing all those hoops and hollers that he does. I was listening to it and I'm like... Guaranteed David Lee Roth listened to Bob Marley. <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> yeah, I love that. These like falsetto <laughs> runs in the in, in these like back of the throat runs. Yeah, whatever they are. The yeah. ululations. Yes. They're almost yodeling, yeah. Yeah. Pretty wild. A lot of my thought process in listening to this album was kind of acknowledging Bob Marley's stature within reggae. He alone outweighs the entirety of the remainder of the genre, in my opinion. Yeah, he and do you feel that way? From them all, yeah. It's it, true. It's, reggae is is like half Bob Marley. I mean, it's not, obviously. It's yeah. millions and millions. But but it feels like, you know, the storefront <laughs> of reggae would be one window of Bob Marley's face and the other window of just thousands of artists. All crowded in there. Yeah. He... he uh... He didn't invent it, but no. he perfected it. Or right. he just ended up being like the masthead. Yeah. The, Whatever it is, right. he's reached that crossover appeal, which I don't think his music ever suffered for in that kind of typical, you know, cheesy crossover way. Um and his albums, God, they just they play so perfectly anytime. We might end up finding our way to another of his albums in a future season. Oh yeah? Uh, I mean, to me. I don't know. Should I not spoil our idea for the, <laughs> for the future season? Care. Okay. Uh, so we talked about doing a greatest hits oh, yeah. season. Oh, God. Legend. Jesus. And Legend is legend among greatest hits albums. I it think it would be. Got to be the number one. Well, I guess Eagles' greatest hits is bigger. I think but... Eagles is up there. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a bunch, but <laughs> Eagles and, and Bob Marley um, and Squeeze, I think, are. Oh, God. Are. Um, three of the very top of the list for me. I don't know if we'll do all three of those. I'm, we've got a lot of options, 
but I kind of can't imagine we won't do Legend. I don't know if, we, yeah, it's true. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. I don't even know if we're doing that as a season. You know, I think that's still up for debate. We have so many ideas. So many. Stay tuned. Did you ever, by the way, get Legend 2? You know there's a sequel? That, that Greatest Hits was so good albums, that there man. was a sequel? I got Exodus. Played it to death. There you go. That album you don't need it. Shit. <laughs> um, and it just sounds perfect. I love them. I love the band. I love the sound. It, sure, every song on this album, you could say, sounds the same on some level. Because it's well, they've all got that skanky one drop. Yeah, they're, they're, they're structurally similar. But I don't mind those similarities no, one bit. Yeah, they're different rooms in the same house. Right. It's clearly exactly. the same house. Yeah. And uh, like it's one of those styles that's like easy to sort of fake, but it's impossible to get right. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they're each song is is like a meditation. Yes. Um, I could cycle through it once. I could cycle through it twice. I could, uh, you know, they're not screams. They're not emotional pleas. They're they're meditations. They're they're they have subject matter. They're fairly specific. Um, they're either sort of allegorical or, or not, but, um, yeah, they just feel like meditations and I listen to them that way. I just, I imagine that's part of the appeal. I'm not super into reggae, but I feel like that's always a, a small piece of the appeal of reggae, right? It kind of sets you into that regular rhythmic. Oh, totally. The group I don't want to really say lull, but yeah. It's a trance. It's a mantra like yeah. state. That's yeah. one of the joys about playing music. I, I give, a bass lessons to someone at work and we had a lesson today and I was talking about how like the you got to try and get used to the, the joy and pleasure of playing the same simple thing over and over and getting it just right yeah. and, and being that human machine because it's not just playing the same notes but it's and, and leaving that space and, and created that repeated thing it's like you're adding your own energy to it and you can, it's not the same as just pressing a play on a computer and having it play the same notes. Right. It, there's not a lot that each person does in, right. a, in a reggae band. I mean, except the guitar player sort of noodling around the top, but everybody right. else is kind of like playing their role and you listen to the bass part and it's like five or six notes. It's like this really simple thing. Um, but you lock in with each other and you're all contributing to the same sort of like rocking of the boat, right? Yeah. And that groove in itself just kind of puts you in that mantra state and then all the kind of pieces coming together all really simple and all played with that kind of energy it's a meditation i mean when, when i do meditations i you know guided meditations or otherwise the goal is to return to your breath you know when you start to when your mind starts to wander you just say oh thinking or whatever and you return to your breath Be and in that moment where you are yeah and reggae it's it's interesting because you know, when when you're talking about sort of building that structure, it's not unlike the early stages of a classical song where the structure is sort of established. But they, but the value in reggae that they're chasing is what's it like to remain there instead of start to extrapolate oh, yeah. and invert and you know do all those things. Like we we might have a different section that represents a different piece of this meditation, but the value in reggae is to stay there and see what you get from having stayed there and just repeat it and repeat it. And It's like a musical float tank. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I love that uh, analogy. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yes. And I, those those kind of grooves are just set up to do that. Yeah. And I, I love that. Like, reggae has such a cool way of approaching rhythm and such a cool way of approaching the groove. Like, so much of the music that we listen to is really hard on the one, two, three, four, da-na-na-na-na-na-na. Right. Uh, even, like... 
funk music, especially rock music, everything lands on those one. And like reggae is, it's the one drop. You beat one, you don't do anything. Right. Three, four, two, three, four. Yeah. And that puts you off kilter. The 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 heavy beat is on the three, and so the place where you feel like you're expecting to land, you don't land. So you stay floating, and then you boom get it on beat get three, anchored. and that's where you're anchored. Right. And then you float back, and you come back, and it's this sort of like to me, I, I think of it's like a rocking of a ship. Yeah, and it's it's like downshifting the whole pace of your life, and flipping it on its head. Usually yeah. that kick doom is on yeah. the one right. doom 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 boom, uh, but it's on the Dude, it's somewhere else. So, yeah, you're downshifting and changing your perspective from what most of us are used to listening to in terms of rhythm. It's really valuable. Yeah. It's really valuable. I should listen to more reggae. I just feel good, and this band feels good, and this evening, it's just another dream show. I feel like I try to imagine what it would be like in the crowd for all of these, and this is another one where I just, I want to be there on some hot, sweaty night, too much to drink. Yeah. No earplugs. Well, I, I'd rather <laughs> be in the outdoor venue that I'm imagining. Oh, okay. But, um, yeah. I mean, I'll go where they are. I, you know, I'll take what I can get, I guess. But uh, it was definitely surprising to read. It's always so interesting to read a little bit and start to challenge the assumptions that your ears make for you. Um, I love those assumptions. I love seeing how close I can get based on whatever audible cues or uh, clues, rather, are available to me. But... Um, I was pretty pretty far off on this one. Sometimes I can nail it, but this one I was way off. Um, nothing terribly controversial or uh, incredible. It was a successful album. It's not a, la a groundbreaking successful album. It's one of his more successful live albums, I guess you'd say. I think so. I mean, y you know, beyond that, he's he's got, got some others out there, and yeah. some of them are pretty smoking, also. Yeah. Well, and we debated uh, this between another one. Yes. At one point. Yeah. Right. And uh, he, he's definitely worth a dive down a YouTube rabbit hole just to watch what that band is up to and yeah. the kind of energy they bring to it. Um, but yeah, maybe we it's time to go through the songs. I mean, <laughs> I don't see a heck of a lot of reasons not to because uh, they just... <laughs> it was a very well-received, nice album that got put out. Yeah. <laughs> this, At this the height of his career. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, it, and it shows in the performances. Trenchtown Rock is uh, the song we ended up covering, yeah. which was super fun. Um, you know, there some of the songs are very well known, and some of the songs are fairly heavy uh, with, uh, with their topics. This was the only one that felt, to me, new and just unbridled joy. And I, I mean, I was hooked on this song hard for like a week I, I mean i'm not sure i was listening to much other than this song <laughs> like well it came out in your performance <laughs> man I, I i really fell for this song maybe as hard as anything that i've discovered through this show wow um that particular song because then you got you know some heavy topics and then a bunch of songs that i already knew so yeah. trenchtown rock felt new okay. and happy and just, it, it's such a celebration. It's a great declaration song in the tradition of our uh, record time lead tracks. Uh, I think it fits right in with that love in a lovely way. And he's in, he, kind of representing his hometown. Yeah. Uh, and he's celebrating what we're there for, which is music. And so he's going to come hit you with music. 
A very record time sentiment. Yeah. <laughs> One good thing about music is when it hits, you feel no pain. Uh, brutalize me. Yeah. Um, I just love it. I love the... Um, I just... I love... It is going to be very similar for a lot of these because it's just about this lovely structure that repeats. Yes. And, it, and, and you get these moments when you're listening to these songs where you've lost track of how long you've been listening to this particular that song. That happens to me a lot. On and, this. and you're like, oh, is it going to be, are they going to go into that next section or are we done? Because when, they, when they're done, they just stop. And it's just over, like a glass breaking. And so I would get repeatedly like, is it going to be another? Oh, yeah, it's another round. You know, like... I get to go around again with these guys on this because I'm never ready for these songs to end. No, and they all just feel so great. They just sound great together. And it's all my like fi- my personal favorite stuff, like early 70s gear, those beautiful keyboard yeah. sounds, the great distorted guitar, all tube-driven stuff, yep. the height of analog music. Yeah. Ugh, and it just all the tones are n- nice and deep. It's and a very juicy. warm, warm album. Yeah. And Trenchtown Rock greets you with a... Real legit handshake. And it's like gritty too. Everything is distorted. Everything has a phaser on it. You know, like crazy sounds coming out of all the instruments. Yeah. But it just holds together well. It just sounds so funky. It, it I feel like it replaces the precision um, on his studio records with a like a fatness. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, all the parts are really simple. Right. People are not playing a lot. You're just getting into that mantra state, into the zone. It's corporeal like it is mindfulness. It's your your mind and your body feed off each other to keep you in that moment, just like playing that simple part. Doom, 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 doom. And the keyboards, man, that little doom, organ doom, bit. Doom, doom. And, uh, <laughs> and he's using, yeah, well, he like he's got a few different, it sounds like more players than it is, which is amazing. I mean, it, it, there's only one keyboard player, but he's, he does the work of three. Yeah, he's doing a lot. Yeah. And I love Ch- Trenchtown Rock. It's a, it is a great jam. And you hear the singers. It's a great harmonies. Uh, and it's there. Yeah. I mean, if you aren't using one of those services where you can listen to everything all the time, uh, Trenchtown Rock is worth the price of the album itself. I agree. Yeah. And there's more. Well, awesome well beyond that. Stuff there's to come. lots of very good stuff. Uh, all these songs are about the same length, too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, near around five minutes. F- a heavy four minutes or, or a little over five. Except for No Woman, No Cry. Did you dip much into the patois definitions? To Zero. Yeah. I, I mean, either. you sent it to me. I looked at it for Trenchtown. Yeah. But that was it. Because we were like, are we going to try and right. pull those lyrics off? Right. Spoiler, no. We um, did not. <laughs> <laughs> and that's totally fine. Sorry. Fun. Yes. Not a problem. <laughs> I also didn't attempt the accent. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all thankful for that. Yes. <laughs> but I, I felt like it, I feel two minds of it. Because okay. like, there is like some serious material on this album. And that's part of who Bob Marley is. Yes. And part of why he means so much to so many people no in the world. No question. I mean, he is one of the most recognizable faces on the planet. Yes. Anywhere. Yep, he's up there with Ali. Yeah, right. Um, Michael Jackson. Yep. MJ, others. Michael Jordan. Totally. Yep. Yeah, like Probably Simone, wider. Yeah. My guess is probably wider known than Michael Jordan. Oh, Do you think? by a lot. Yeah. I mean, because his music has meant so much to so many people all over the world. Yeah. I mean, Michael Jordan's easily one of the greatest athletes, obviously, 
but and very internationally famous. Impact. But no, not not the way Ali or Marley have done. Uh, probably when you're talking about Marley, you're probably talking about Marley, Ali, Shay, and um, <laughs> Andre. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, a very few people whose faces yeah are so well known, so iconic. And yet he's represented his hometown. Yep. So well here in London, which is great. Yep. He's like, yep, this is what we're bringing to you. And we're going to brutalize you with it. And then they follow up Do-do-do-do. with two very serious pieces, right? Yes. Very happy pieces, but a little misleadingly happy. Well, um, because, again, it has that same old groove. But that's yeah. the other side of reggae is, like, it's always been protest right. music. Right. It's always been this kind of stuff. And then that, that groove yeah. that you've been sort of floating on ends up taking on ba, ba, a ba. different vibe. That jump, jump. Feels more urgent somehow, you know. Right. Oh, I was thinking serious. belly full, but yeah, for yeah, burning and looting. Yeah, burning and looting, <laughs> belly full. Yeah. Um, burn, you you hear the donut. You, that same groove is there. It's just the one that you just heard and the jubilant sounding trench town rock. Right. But then, much like Marley exhibits that those same two qualities at the same time, this song more serious. Yes. That groove takes on a very different grave kind of energy. Uh, and, you know, my wife loves the. Um, Beautiful South, yeah. For their um, and and to some extent, Cowboy Junkies, for their um, happy songs that are about sad things and sad songs that are about happy things. You know that that kind of sure dichotomy is really fun. I love it too. Me and, too. And that's here uh, for for sure. It's a little bit even in Trenchtown, but much more clearly in Burning and Looting, uh, Looting or uh, Them Belly Full. And yeah, it's it's brutal stuff, and it makes you realize that he has absolutely seen some shit. Right. And again, this these are the kind of things that make it mean a lot to people yep. because a lot of people have seen some shit, and it, it's awful that this is. Well, yeah. And it's a great example of the power that music has to pull people out of their circumstance. Right. Right. And to make others aware of it. Right. And how much, how much, again, I didn't, like we were just talking about the patois, like didn't really focus on it. Right. But it's not as if the lyrics just breeze by me. I don't need to necessarily know them all. No. Because it's like, it's his thing and his expression. Right. And It's I, clear. Yeah. It's clear. If you're tuning in, it's clear. If you're just listening, well, that's fine too. Yeah. But I think at some point you're going to, Start to tune in. And if you want to learn every word, God bless you. Like, yeah. I should probably take the time to do that. But yeah. I feel like the impression of it is so strong yeah. and powerful. And I hope that this is a successful way to get those messages across to millions of people. Well, so um, it's worked. Message received. I mean, I think different albums are successful to different extents, but um, it's certainly part of the tradition not just of Bob Marley's music but of reggae in general but yeah right but Marley I think was particularly successful at that seems as if and you hear it in these songs one of the things that he thinks that he does really well and we'll talk about a little more is to create these hooks we were joking earlier how these songs are all just like hooks it's like you know it's an album full of hooks yeah Um, and that I feel like is one of his strengths too one one of what makes his stuff so universal is the sort of slogan aspect of it yeah and a lot of his songs are kind of reduced to to glorified slogans in one way. I wasn't even aware of that as a songwriting concept until reading some biography or something of John Lennon and that he was very into that. Mm. And you can think of especially a lot of later Beatles. 
their choruses are very sloganing. All, all we need is love. Come yeah. together. Yeah. Uh, all we are saying is give peace a chance. That yeah. music can really ha- create the opportunity in a landscape for those sort of simple messages that you want to just get into people's brains. Right. So, And the other piece of that is, um, weirdly enough, the titles. Right, yes. the titles are just the cor- the chorus, the the yeah. the lyrical the hook, hook. <laughs> the melodic and lyrical hook, and the title are yeah. all the same. Yes, and that's true of those Beatles songs you mentioned, and that's mm-hmm. true of these songs. You know, a lot of times when we're sitting here doing this show, and I look at a track list to try and get my head around the next track as we're talking about the track to track, I look at the title and I'm like, which one was that? <laughs> You know, like because they have these creative titles, or they're referencing a small lyric in the in in the actual body of the song. Yeah. But you look at this track listing, and you're like, oh yeah, that song. What's that oh, yeah, one that, that goes? Boom, then, that's uh, the one. It's that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. You don't need to question it because it's the title it is of the, the song. That's I appreciate that very much. Me too. <laughs> Not least of which for this show, but just in general, like yeah, these are. It makes brilliant. it more universal. It's yes. the handle yes. by which that you wrap your head around it, and it it's like the it's these perfect morsels of ideas, uh, dark as they may be. And belly full is another example. Very, very stark. I I feel like I, <laughs> I feel like in Burning and Luton, I was listening through in the first time, and I was like, yeah, yeah. And then he's, that's why we'll be burning and looting tonight. I was like, oh, oh. my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Heavens to Betsy. Clutch my pearls. And then, right. And then the same thing happened with them belly full. I was like, okay. Just feel bad. I'm boy, like, oh, boy. Dude, yeah. I'm sorry. I was partying to this a minute ago. I'm tuned in now. I've got you. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it makes you think of how many people are doing that to Bob Marley stuff. Or like any protest music. I mean, obviously, that's just part of it, right? Born in the USA, Bruce Springsteen, grew up with that song. Right. Didn't realize for years and years that it wasn't the of patriotic number. Right. Um, people still don't realize that. <laughs> um, very important people. <laughs> or, or Politicians. Maybe not very important people, but uh, people who occupy a place of importance. Speaking of mantra, um... um <laughs> speaking of what? Mantra, um... Oh, yes, just yes. get back there. Yeah. Uh, is it just me or does Bob Marley invent the word hangry? Oh, I am so glad. Oh my God. (laughs) I'm so glad you brought that up because I meant to write it down and I didn't write it down. I've already turned off my notes because of the larger things that I wanted to say are, are done. And I'm, as soon as you said, is it me or did they invent? And I was like, hangry thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they sing about being hangry. And I feel like not only did they invent it, but they were taking care to teach it in the song. A hungry mob is an angry mob. A hungry mob is an angry mob. And then they start going, a hangry mob is... Oh, <laughs> I got it. Yeah. They're I'll like, meme it later. You with me here? <laughs> we are talking about a word that combines these two elements of being a Clever, person. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> I 100% agree with you that it has to have been intentional. And for my money, this is where that word takes root. I would like to understand the etymology of hangry. I don't think it... I think there's there's nothing before this. Yeah, I don't care about the etymology. For me, the etymology is Bob Marley and the Whalers, 1975, live. That's I mean, where it could, started. How could it be as recent as five years ago? The movies, you know, it's impossible. Right. It's too easy. It's like brunch. Yeah. <laughs> it had right. to have come up earlier, yes. but I had never heard it before besides this. No, I think you're totally right. And, and, and you know, half the memes of the last four to five years. <laughs> right. 
So um, again, another way he's a pioneer. Yes, the pioneer in memes. Who I don't think thought? he's gotten enough credit for inventing no, that word. Not at all. <laughs> and then, as if to be aware of where the crowd must be right now in terms of what they're feeling, Bob flips it on his head and goes back to like the stuff that brought people there. Yeah, yeah, it goes into the hits uh, relentlessly for the <laughs> remainder of the <laughs> album. Remainder of the show, Rel- relentlessly. Yes. But um, great jams. Oh, before we leave Belly Full, killer guitar solo. Killer. Yes. Awesome. And Al- just to... Yeah. The, the bass line there, I mean, everything about that, that might be in, a, in an album full of well-worn songs or structurally similar songs, that might be my favorite song musically. Yes. Interesting. Really? Okay. Maybe. Um, I'm kind of saying that off the top of my head right now, but I love that bass line. Do, 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 do. I know, that's pretty sweet. And the guitar that starts it off, right? And those awesome cymbals and the drums. I love the drums in this. It's really rich. I I think musically it might be my favorite. It is a good one. And that might be because I've heard Get Up, Stand Up, and I Shot the Sheriff, and No Woman, No Cry, and Lively Up Yourself so many times that, like... It's just wrote in my head, but um, that's where I'm at. <laughs> Still like particular. I mean, I I love all these tunes. Lively yeah. up, my, lively up yourself. I feel like comes across really well in this. It's a really good version. Yeah, and it's this is great. Where, yeah, he really starts to get into that. Yes. kind of vocal work he does. I think this is one of the r- relatively rare instances where I prefer a live version to the studio oh, version. Oh yeah, yeah. I feel like that in a lot of ways with these songs. Again, I don't know. Like I would, Exodus is one of my favorite albums of all time. Right. If you were to play a live version of it, I would be very biased against it. But I feel like a lot of this stuff, it's just that live energy is so great and elevates it so much that I agree with you. I it feel feels like a little more across right across the board. Yeah. Lively up yourself is is definitely I think I feel really like outstanding. Get up, stand up. I think is too. Oh mm-hmm. my god. I mean that one is just such an epic jam. It's it, clearly the end of the show or towards the end of the show and it's just like this it just stretches out but anyway before that yeah lively up yourself has the right kind of energy this is the perfect time in the show we want to bring it up again we want to get everyone jamming and dancing through to the end that might also be the only one that i um wanted to be a little longer could could have dealt with a little bit more livelying up of myself (laughs) um that may be a reflection of where i'm at in life i don't know (laughs) we all need it man yeah yeah, I wish it for you and uh, for everyone in the audience, uh, yeah. and for me. And then that's the end of side one. Side one, on economical, Trenchtown Rock, super fun party time, burning and looting, little heavy, yeah. then belly full, pretty heavy, really heavy, then lively up yourself. Everything's gonna be all right again. He's Just b- buckle up because side two is gonna be easy skating. Oh my God! No woman, no cry. What do you say about this? That. This live version is so amazing. And you think there's the great, greatest, some of the greatest Bob Marley sloganeering. Everything gonna be yes. all right. Not my favorite all-time Bob Marley song, which I will keep missing. Every time I listen through to this album, I wish it was on there, which is Three Little Birds. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, God. That's, the, that's probably the slogan I've used the most in my own life. <laughs> right, right. Um. Yeah, so I, I, and you know, with three songs, I really, you know, whatever. 
That'd be perfect. A perfect addition to side two. But it's not there, and that's fine. No woman, no cry. Quick question for you. Mm. Hand claps or wood block? I have to listen to it again to be sure. But it almost sounds like two pieces of wood slapping. Yeah. It's not. It's too crisp to be a hand clap. It's awesome. Yeah. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. It is so... It contributes so much to that song. Isn't that funny? It does. It really does a lot of heavy lifting. I think it's like two slender pieces of wood. Uh, I buy that. Each other or something I totally like that. buy that. Because it's got a flatness to it, like a hand. Yeah, I think that's sort so of what I meant by woodblock. More. But woodblock, of course, has the like, boop, 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 yeah, that like hollow great. sound. Yeah, that's not what I meant. But mm-hmm. what you're describing is exactly right. Whap. But sometimes it sounds like a, a hand clap, and I'm just not sure. It does, maybe it both. Does. Who knows? Someone with big hands, maybe. Whap. <laughs> right. And, um, uh, yeah, uh, Dave DeSimone said you can't. You, if you're gonna do Bob Marley live, then you need to do a five to seven episode mini series about the guitar solo and no, no woman, no cry. Oh wow! So we're gonna start that now, <laughs> and just kind of power through it, and then release them all separately. Um, <laughs> it's a beautiful guitar solo. Al Anderson, he's he's awesome. He sounds like I feel like that this guitar solo. The first half sounds like George Harrison, and the second half sounds like Eric Clapton. He never leaves the rhythm behind. He stays really nice and geometric with the rhythm. Yeah. And um, he always sort of hits that main corner, that sort of fence post, mm-hmm. right, that kind of keeps it grounded. Yeah. And he goes wherever he wants, then he comes back to that fence post. Um, and I was just wondering, is that a, like a – is it a, the whammy rod, or um, is he just bending strings, or is there a little bit of a pedal – He's well. There's definitely uh, there's some te- techniques that he's doing where he's doing like all his fingers like hammer-ons. Bam, bam. Yeah. Um, but I think you also might be thinking of that sort of watery kind of sound to it. Is that what you think? How it kind of has thinking a sort of, of the like. Wah, 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 wah. Yeah, that's that's some either a, it's probably like a, what you'd call a chorus pedal. It takes the signal yep. and then yep. it kind of sort of smears it against itself. You know, yes. it splits it and smears it around. Yeah. Uh, like a moray pattern or whatever, okay. and it creates that sort of wateriness and. Uh, so that that's what that is, and that the same stuff is on the the uh, keyboards, the Fender Rhodes, and the yep. cl- the clavichord um, have that same kind of effect on them. And they, you know, I'm gonna try and cop that style for the cover too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it won't sound as cool as this though, because wow. it's all gorgeous vintage gear and sounds amazing. I just think and great musicians yeah. who all know each other and love each other and yes. live with each other, and that all comes through in the in the music and. <sighs> Um, it's it's really impressive. Um, so now I, I have an, a forum to confess that I did not. Again, you know, as we talked about, you sometimes you're spending a limited attention span on the lyrics, and you know, you're kind yeah. of focused on the music and the feeling and everything. I sort of didn't realize this was a comforting song, and uh, thought it was like no woman, no cry. You know, <laughs> you don't have a woman, you don't cry. No woman, no cry. <laughs> Having not paid attention to the everything is going to be all right. Maybe that's what it is. I don't have a woman. I'm not going to cry. Everything's going to be all right. You've taken a Lester Burnham approach. <laughs> to <the laughs> No woman, no cry. You don't get to tell me yeah. what to do <laughs> right. ever again. I rule. <laughs> um, uh, that's very funny. And um, then it's a lot nicer in the way I think he means it. Yeah, I'd say. And it's I'd one say. of the most beautiful, sweet songs yeah. that you could imagine. 
it takes me back to um does, is is his music anchored anywhere for you in your experience in your life i think i just started hearing it in college like everybody right hmm. or like folks in our milieu how about yourself? Uh, so for me, um, it was a big part of, I think I've talked about the sort of musical, maybe not, about the, so I used to be in a, a youth group of some sort run through the church in our town, um, run by a really extraordinarily important person to me, Mitch Zeman, who uh, married me. Yeah. Um, Peter, I just gestured at because Peter played I was there. music at my wedding. It's good to me. Uh, which was lovely. Um, I'd do it again. Thank you. I doubt I'll need it, but thank you. <laughs> we'll <laughs> Maybe find another we... reason. <laughs> um, so Mitch used to take uh, this youth group out to the Cape. These were my first trips to the Cape. And this was... Um, I feel like seventh, eighth grade, maybe all through high school. And, um, you know, there were older kids when I first started going, obviously. And I got to hear the stuff they were into. And there's a lot of musical memories, a lot of formative musical experiences for me that happened out there. And one of those trips, my friends and I were just down on the dunes in, in Brewster, Mass, at Cape Cod Sea Camps. And somebody had Bob Marley Legend, and, and that was playing, and I, it just was the absolute perfect place for that. And so a lot of these songs just take me straight back there. Okay. Um, to the dunes of Brewster, Mass. But um, Gorgeous. <laughs> not quite Jamaica. I've never been there, but um, it worked for me. I mean, it just was the exact right thing. And, and so No Woman, No Cry is one of those songs that I remember very specifically from, from there. And yeah, I, I it hit me at a, a really great time. And I, I did not quite catch the same meaning from it that you did i i think i was a little closer to the original intention good i'm glad (laughs) Um, i should hope so and it it was lovely it was fantastic and it's a very cherished memory i bet a lot of people in our generation and similar upbringing probably have a story like that yeah about this record yeah i would say i mean it reminds me of the college dorm yeah or a legend anyway yeah in my first exposure to bob marley it was college i mean I feel like I'm trying to think like my first exposure to reggae was the police, and I knew that that was a music called reggae. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I'm not sure I was smart enough to realize that back when, but I loved the police when I first heard them in like 80, um, when I was still in California, but um, I don't think I was smart enough to realize that it was reggae. I think I, I just knew that from being obsessed with them, and there was some radio interview with mm-hmm. them, and I mean, because I would just like tape record all that stuff and listen to it off the radio and listen to it again and again and again. And they mentioned it being reggae, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, cool, okay, okay, can't stand using losing you, you know, like I get it. Um, that's what that is. That's really cool. And that, that's one of the things that's neat about reggae is that it, it takes three people to recreate the style in a way yeah. that all of the important elements are there. Yeah. Um, but then when you do it with in, in Bar- Bob Marley's group, it's so much like lusher and richer. Like the p- police were going for a, a punkier vibe. And it was awesome. And yeah. then I confess that, like, the first version of I Shot the Sheriff I heard was the Eric Clapton one. Sure, me too. And I, I didn't, it didn't occur to me that that was reggae or of any, or song of any import at all. I mean, right. again, he was like, like the police and, and lots of other artists, like, picking up on reggae and getting hip to it and being like, this is fucking cool. Right. 
Um, so I'm gonna putting his twist on it. Put my twist on yep. it. But to me, it was just the one on the greatest. Pretty subtle twist. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but still different enough that like it right. It, it, it feels yeah. Yeah, it feels rocky. It feels rocky. folky, whatever. But it was always just the track that was on before Layla on the Greatest Hits album. And <laughs> right. And I just sat through it. There's another Greatest Hits album. Can I um, <laughs> can I go off on a quick tangent? You mentioned taping stuff did. off the radio. <laughs> sure. Um, have you ever, had you as a child, ever found yourself in a position where you had to, because of your lack of blank tapes, go into your tape collection, get out some scotch tape, and just tape over some album that you just didn't like very much because you wanted to catch something off the radio or what have you. Oh, the yes. I, I didn't do that a lot. I didn't do it a lot. I'm not saying I did it a lot. But I loved... You just reminded me of that feeling of being like, nope, I'm gonna, I'm, I gotta take something out. Let me take a look. Let yeah. me look at my tape rack. Oh, uh, shit. What am I taking out? Put the tape over the holes. Put the scotch tape over the holes at the top and just record. And then it felt awful, didn't it? It did. <laughs> it was never worth it. Because one time, one time at least, I know that you, like me, you went and you grabbed a tape and you're like, ah, oh, we're pl- having a party or whatever. I'm going to play this. You put it in and it wasn't and what like, was on the tape anymore. <sighs> oh, I never did because that. Because your That's tape so was funny. off and you forgot that you changed it. <laughs> <laughs> so you got like. Some DJ going like, in a few minutes, we're going to play that song you're all waiting for, or whatever. <laughs> like, uh, whatever. What was that about? I don't even remember anymore. <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, I did that too, and probably, well, actually, I was going to say none of our audience, but probably all of our audience has done that. Probably, yeah. But then I shot the sheriff. So, obviously, Marley's version uh, is Marley's version. Carries That's a lot of weight. Carries a lot of weight. Back into the serious territory. Yes. Briefly. Territory that I didn't even really... I mean, I guess I recognized it in the Eric Clapton version. Should have paid attention to it. But again, I was. I always just felt like it was a, a weaker Eric Clapton track. That's all I thought of it as. I will confess to thinking similar thoughts. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to know the original. And it's definitely back on that darker side. And, and he, he's telling a story of, I guess... A, a kind of reality that he feels like people relate to and it, yeah. it it just it sucks it you know i feel terrible um but uh it's another in the long <laughs> history of outlaw songs and, and right. uh I, I feel like it has a, a sort of certain a western um heritage to it somehow feels like that of course um, yeah you know, shares a lot with those old, old ballads uh but uh yeah it's a bitch sucks <laughs> And it definitely reveals uh, a much grander song to hear Bob Marley do it than to settle for the the Clapton version. It's a weird one that Clapton did. It, yeah, it's weird, and it 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 feels like it's co-opting some stuff that it feels more appropriative than if he had done "Lively Up Yourself." You know what I mean? Because he's he's put taking on the persona of a story that I don't feel like is his story. I feel like at that story I could hear coming from Marley, and it feels completely authentic and legitimate. But Clapton I, doesn't do it. Like so much of Clapton's music, I feel that that song is so perfect as he did it. But just like you were talking about the difference between this live, energetic, emotional, vulnerable performance uh, and the studio work of Marley, you know, this song done live by the author and, and the band put the put Clapton's perfection to shame. No question. Yeah. 
No question. So it's it's ridiculous to even equate the two in the end, but that's the context I had is my initial initial approach to the song. Right. Um, it's a beautiful version. This is another one where I particularly like the harmonies in there. Yep. Uh, and they're kind of all over the place too. Um, they they're high, they're low. Yep. They double him. They're against him. And his yeah, his voice has got so much more of that wail in it. In this one particularly, yep. I feel like this one is the most uh, poignant in. Inter- He's saddest in his vocal and the song. He's angriest. Yeah. Yeah. Both. He's yeah, exactly. Uh and then it's just a party. Yeah. To close things out, or at least in the original version of the album to close things out. Is next. Yeah. I mean that to me that's it's yeah, it's a party, but it's also a rallying cry. Right. It is a reminder of the of the power that we need to bring upon ourselves in order to fix our situation. It's a call. You know what? It somehow reminds me of Rhythm Nation. We are a part of a. Yeah. It's that kind of musical call to strength, um, speaking to much larger things, but rallying through, um, you know, this inspirational um, music. You know, I always talk about, you know, you and I have had the experience at Improv Asylum of trying to help people who aren't super comfortable with singing to try and sing things yeah. and trying to teach them to do that. And, um, I've always felt that what's scary about singing obviously is, is trying to perform in front of people. But when you break that down a little bit and get behind that broad term, you're taking deeper breaths. You're, ex- you're accessing more of your internal self mm-hmm. And you are then giving sound, giving your own voice the most pure thing about you, besides your fingerprint, maybe, um, arguably much more pure even than that. Uh, and and you're, you're giving that to this deeper breath. And, and that's just scary for some people to do, right? When yes. you haven't been performing, or if even if you have been performing, it's you can perform as somebody who speaks and takes breaths, in order to say these few things and takes another breath in order to say another few things, or you can take a deep breath and sing out. And that's just fucking scary. (laughs) Um, Yes. And that's what these songs allow people to do. They, they, through listening, right? They, they sort of, and that's how some people get it. And to continue that discussion, like I feel like the thing that helped the most in trying to coach people to sing is to try and remind them of their character. Yes. Who are you? Right. In this scene. Right. Who are you trying to be? In this song. Right. Uh, and I feel like there were particular moments at the Improv Asylum where that I saw like two remarkable effects. There is mm-hmm. one actor, I won't name any names, but like couldn't get the melody and couldn't get the melody and couldn't get the melody. Uh-huh. And I'm like, go out there and be like, it was a cover of a song. And I'm like, go out there and be the lead singer of that band. Right. And sing the song, and right. you could hit that note wow. every single time. Right on. And there was another one we were doing. Like was it me? It was <laughs> no. me, wasn't it? <laughs> I never had to give you a damn thing of directions. Um, someone else, we were doing like a, a genre thing where you do yeah. a scene, and it's like you start it, and it's a normal scene, and then you do it as a comedy, or you do it as a horror, or you do it as a sci-fi. Right. They often ended in opera. Oh, yes. And this was a singer who was always down here. Yes. And then all of a sudden was, you know, opera man. And could hit like a crazy high note and hit it like perfectly. Right. Um, so that's just my 
thesis that everybody can sing. Oh, I believe it. I believe that strongly. 99% mindset. Yes, yes, I believe that strongly. And so some people can get up and do that, get up, stand up, and do that with music and with singing and being in part of a big crowd or singing along at home or in the shower. Yep. Some people do it in another way, um, getting into character or whatever. Yep. And these songs are a kind of getting into character. Yeah. Singing a song is about taking on a mindset and, and trying to inhibit that mind. Inhibit. Ah, uh, <laughs> inhabit. Not inhibit, but inhabit. And mindset. as an audience member, if you're not able to sing it out you are become the singers right you're there in the in the crowd you are all sharing this moment yeah. and so there there is that sort of call to arms um or to self whether you're singing it or not mm-hmm. you know when it's done really well like this and, it, and it's the longest song on here it, yes it goes it 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 but it Actually, know. No Woman, No Cry is a little bit longer. Oh, okay. Yeah, 30 it's, seconds. It's so but simple. And the get-up-stand-up bits you know, kind of really extend towards the end. But at that point, I'm sure everyone is on their feet. Yeah. And I'm sure that everyone is jamming and in full ecstasy mode. Now, you said that you went down a YouTube hole. Is there no YouTube of this performance? I couldn't find one of this performance. I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't. Yeah. I mean, or if why are was. they filming it necessarily, <laughs> right? I don't know. Um, and... and then- yeah, then the that's the album that's until the, album. the uh, re- remastered edition that included. And so now there's a weird thing now in the in what I heard because the um, record has stayed live throughout all seven songs. Right. And for the version that I was listening to, it fades out for the first time in the album. You hear silence, mm-hmm. and then it fades back up for Kinky Reggae. For Kinky Reggae, yeah, which sounds like a different show. It sounds like a different. It sounds recording very tech. different. Yeah. Um, a different know. show or much later. Right. Like, he seems to be on a different mic or a different yeah. stand or yeah. something. Yeah. Something has to have changed. I, it sounds like a different mix to me. It I, sounds like I would a agree. different show or theater or whatever. Maybe not. Maybe it's the same place, but it's from the board as opposed to from the truck. I can't say that it adds much to the album for me except for that introduction bit which it, was super fun to hear totally it feels like a little sneak behind the curtain right it's the one like little br- crack in the edifice yeah of this because like, he said literally nothing i mean yeah. i hope i hope nobody thinks i hope nobody listens to this to, never listens to the album and thinks oh he must not have said much because he literally <laughs> says nothing that we heard he never says and now no woman no cry or, he doesn't thank you say thank any, you thank right. you he never says thank you good to be here in london he knows that you guys are great he maybe he just doesn't he just no, it's not on here. If he Either does. he just doesn't, or they don't include it, right? Because the it's for time or economy, or just because they feel like people care just about the songs. We'll right. do a couple others where there's no. Unless you count this whole introduction thing, because he does take his time with it. He's cute with it. He's kind of charming. Yeah. Um. And and you know, is it the best example of one of those things where they introduce everybody in the band? I don't think so. It's not particularly like. It doesn't rev me up. It doesn't. It's just it's a nice way to kind of end the album, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I I would have been fine, I think, without it. I'm happy it's there because it reminded me of that whole sort of thing that happens in those live out in when I see a show. But you know, take it or leave it. Keep, and but hey, if, if what you know of Bob Marley is legend and what you've heard on the radio, right? It's great to listen to this. I feel like it's you know it it it's an awesome live document. Of what he was up to, yeah. What he sounded like, what his voice could really do. Perfect uh, portrait, man. Yep. And that uh, smoking band, 
Yep. That's just playing like a band and not like carefully curated. I, I mean, I tracks. can't imagine they were ever much better than this night, right? No, I can't. It's just gorgeous. Right. So we hope you liked it, whether it's rainy and cold or hot and sweaty and perfect, you know, akin to Jamaica when you're listening to this. But, uh, you know, yeah, here we are. Spend some time with it. And then that's our, uh, you know, like, time to flip the album to side two. Right. What do we have coming up next? <laughs> to one of the longer ones. Yes. Um, a big change. Yeah, a big change. And it, we're doing our own game of jump genre, as we are want to do, of Jumping course. Jumping ahead and, many years. Yes. And we're even now want to say that we are want to do something. Um, <laughs> but we're going to take on Alison Krauss and Union Station. Yep. Uh, live. 2003. Again. Check it out. It's a big, sprawling one, but it is a delight, and it's got, like, different chapters, and, and uh, it's got a, a lot going on. It's gorgeous. So please do check it out. Yeah, so if if this Bob Marley album feels like you are taken to the crowd and you're, you have great seats, uh, <laughs> Alison Krauss's uh, and Union Station will bring you right on stage with them. Boy, doesn't it feel that way. Yeah, you are right there, oh, right next to her. Awesome. Um, and I, I'm that's a fine place to be. Yeah, I don't mind at all. Um, anyway. So thank you all for listening. Yeah. We're going to uh, leave you uh, with uh, uh, our cover of Trenchtown Rock. Yep, and a uh, different guest this week, Dave DeSimone, honoring us with some drums. So glad to have him. Yes, thank um, you, Dave. Once again, uh, at Record Time Pod, uh, facebook.com slash Record Time Podcast. Record time podcast at gmail.com or 937-PETE-TIM. We would love to hear from you. Yeah, and it's not too late to suggest live albums, too. Please. You know, like, we, we carefully curate what we're doing, but, you know, there's always, like, room for the sort of sleeper candidate to kind of sneak there into in there, you know? Like, a good mix isn't put together until it's all put together. So <laughs> let's, uh, let's hear from you. And here comes Trenchtown Rock. For Record Time, I'm Tim. This is Pete. Have a great night. Oh, oh, oh.